Alright. Genesis chapter 8. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. I like that. God remembered Noah. And we remember God in doing what? Communion. Remembering Jesus and what he has done for us. God had not forgotten about Noah. He had always been thinking of him. But I love this note here. God remembered Noah and every living thing. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters surged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month and the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. And the tenth month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountains seen. Stop there. God starts to pull back the waters. He has flooded the earth, completely obliterated it, destroyed all flesh because they're wicked. And he has saved this family. He's put this family in this giant box. And they are there for quite a long time. Now, Noah has not heard from God for quite a long time. He has been sitting in the ark for one year and 17 days. We were talking about this earlier, me and the guys. A lot of times we think that Noah was on the ark for 40 days and 40 nights, right? No, no, no. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Noah floated on the water for five months and then sat on Mount Ararat for seven months. That's a long time. I was in Israel for three months. That's a long time. To sit in a big box for five months just floating on water. I wrote in the devotional today, you can only pet bunnies and do donkey rides so many times. And it's true. Can you imagine not hearing from the voice of God? All of a sudden the Lord speaks to you. Build this ark, do this thing. And all of a sudden, God, miraculous things are happening. Forty days, forty nights of rain. Wow, he, he closed the ark with his own hand. All of the animals magically, somebody got these things on the ark. He closed the door and it starts to rain just as God had promised. And all of a sudden, boom, nothing. No speaking. Maybe it's been the same in your life for a little while. Listen up. We go through seasons in life. Sometimes it's springtime and things are fresh and new and exciting with the Lord. You read the Word and everything just comes to life. Summertime, you're all active and, and you're involved in the ministry and you're doing things. Things are happening. May fall time comes and things start to slow down a little bit. and It's not happening like it used to and you're kind of wondering where you're at and if God's even really there. And then wintertime comes and you haven't heard from the Lord in a long time. You're just dead. Lord, I don't feel anything anymore. I try to worship you. I lift my hands and nothing happens. I study the Word and I read, but I'm not getting anything from you. Lord, I haven't heard your voice in a year and 17 days. What's going on? I'm stuck in this box and I feel like I can't get out. The Father is there with you continually. God remembers you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is thinking about you continually. His thoughts towards you are as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Go down by the beach sometime and grab a handful of sand and try to count a little bit. 
His thoughts towards you are many more than that. He loves you and He misses you and He longs to be with you. Don't let anything, don't let time, don't let a winter time pull you away from the King. He is remembering you continually and thinking about you and the waters are dropping, my friends, I promise. They're getting lower and lower and land is there before you know it. Verse 6, And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. That's interesting. Did you see that? He sent a raven. Do some study. Look into why he sent out a raven first. Take note. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him in the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand, and took and pulled her into him, into the ark. Interesting word there. Wait, real quick. So what does he do? He opens the window of the ark. I love that. Opens the window. May the first time be seen daylight in quite a while. Boom, the sun beaming through. And he goes out and he lets a raven out. And then... The raven never comes back, I guess. It doesn't really say. Then he decides to send that dove out. and There's an interesting word here. It says, And he took her and pulled her in unto himself, into the ark. In the original text here, it says, Caused her to come. Caused her to come to him. See, I bet back in that day, they just had elite minds. Maybe telepathy or some telekinesis happening. I mean, they're elite. <laughs> He tells her to come. He causes her to come somehow. And he holds some seed out. or It just knew to come back. Somebody spoke to the bird. He called it. Maybe a couple whistles. I don't know. But it's very interesting that Noah calls a dove a picture maybe of what? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit. Remember, isn't it a dove that comes down on Jesus when he is baptized? The Holy Spirit, my Son, in whom I'm... God speaking from heaven about His Son. What does He say, Jay? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Yes. The Spirit falling upon. A picture of the Holy Spirit. Noah calling upon the Spirit. Noah calling it into Himself. And you know what? Just some quick application. We need to be asking for a refilling of the Holy Spirit continually, daily in our lives, my friends. Hey, if your walk is dull, then ask for Jesus to come and refill you. Cry out unto Him. Cause Him to come. Raise your hands. Go outside. Talk to the Lord. Be close with Him. Verse 10 and he stayed yet another seven days. Interesting. Another seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf, plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were baited from off the earth. And he stayed yet another seven days. <laughs> and sent forth the dove which returned not again unto him any more. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day, 
the month, the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh, seven and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. Noah's 601st year of his life. 601st year of his life. 600 years, and the starting of the 700th year, the ground is dry. I love that. I love that picture. The seventh, the day of rest. Seventh year of his life, the, dra- the ground is dry, and there is a new life ready for him. A time, a day of rest, maybe before Noah. Let's move on. And God spake to Noah, saying, "Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle, and of every creeping thing that creep on the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be." fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Wow, I like that verse 18. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. The man steps out, and the family follows. Guys, How important is it that we raise up godly families in this generation? That you are wholly set apart men in this day and age. That when you have a family that you will be able to represent for them and make a stand for them and go forth when God says and they will follow. Listen. I'm really sick and tired of seeing preachers and leaders of the church with families that are messed up. This is ridiculous. Why is a man investing so much time into his ministry and it is fruitful and prosperous, but the family is messed up? This is ridiculous. Even Moses, do we see? Remember? His wife comes to him with the foreskins of his children. She circumcised the children when he was supposed to be doing it, but he was too busy for his family. She takes him and she throws him at his feet. How important is it that we have godly families? What a testament is it when your family is so solid and fears the Lord because you've raised them in the ways of the King. Because you have fellowship with them, you've been close with them, you've prayed with them daily, you've encouraged them in the Word, you've taught them the Word in the house. They will not depart. But more than that, God is number one in your lives. As I wrote in the devotional today, God is number one. What's number two? Your family. Your ministry is not number two in your life. Your family is number two in your life. God is number one. God is number one. Spending time with Him. Fellowshipping with Him. Leaning on Him. Making sure you were refreshed and filled by Him daily. Then, you have the ability, for people who have families, next it is the family to minister to. And the family must be ministered to, and then you are to take care of the ministry of the church, of the sheep, of your friends. And not until then. The ministry of a man who leads a family is his family. 
And we should be raising up godly families for the next generation. We should be investing more in our families than we ever do in the church. It's important. And investing more time in God than anything. And guess what? Real quick. You will never be able to minister to your family, nor your church, nor your friends, until you minister unto the Lord. Until you spend time with Him. Until you praise His name and get in a quiet place like Jesus did in Mark 135. Sneaking away before the day starts. That's why you see pastors burnt out and bummed out and angry. Because they have not been filled. They've forgotten what this is all about. The first love. Jesus. Just hanging out with Him. Being close to Him. They think they've got to get so busy with the ministry. As if God needs them to accomplish a big work. He doesn't need you, my friends. He doesn't need me. We get to, it's a privilege, be refreshed and filled by God and then go and minister continually. And when you do this, you get to raise up a godly family and they will follow you and you will be impacting the world through your children. Let's move on. Finish this up. Verse 19, Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kind went forth out of the ark. Verse 20, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took every clean beast, and every clean fowl, or bird, and every and offered burnt offering on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, a sweet smell. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. All will close in this. Verse 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, Casey. He built an altar unto the Lord. What's the first thing Noah does when he gets off the ark? He does not go hunting with his boys. Or go check out the new waterfall made by the flood. Or go and make sure that his wife has a lawn chair and some lemonade laying out. Oh no. He does not take care of his family. He does not go and build a fire and make sure there's food for that night. No. The first thing he does is build an altar unto God. This man was altered in that ark, wasn't he? And he builds an altar unto the king. This shows priority. Why did God call him a righteous man? He loved God. He feared God. He walked with God. And me and you build an altar in our lives every single day. The first thing in our day. Why did God use Noah to build an ark? Because he was an available man. He came and built an altar, I'm sure, every day of his life unto the Father, in some way or another. He was there with him, spending time with him. I am your man, God. And God looked out of all the people in the world and said, there is only one. There is only one here with his family. This is a one righteous man. We're closing this. Listen. Is there someone in this room that God wants to use to build an ark to save this world?
Is there someone in this room that God wants to use to rise up and make a stand in this generation against the wicked? Raise that flag. Make a stand. Do something. It starts in the quietness of your day. In the quietness of your heart individually. If you don't seek the face of the King daily, how can He instruct you, my friends? How can He use us? I beg and plead with you to know the Father and to spend time with Him and to listen to His voice daily as you'll have much opportunity to be used by Him. Maybe to build an ark. Maybe to answer a phone call. I don't know. Father has something for each one of us in each day and He wants to bless you. Don't miss out on the blessing. Amen? He has something for us tonight that I believe is going to be a blessing from God for each one of us. We have Anthony Kelsey tonight to share with us a few words. He is very beautiful. And He has a beautiful heart. And He's going to share some love with you guys. And may we be attentive. And watch this video that he asked for us. Please, let your heart be open and ready. It's, it's going to be heavy. Let God speak to you in this time. Don't miss out on this blessing that he has for you and for me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anthony, you want to come up? Um, we, we have a video, but um, just a few words um, before. Um, I'm so thankful that Josh let me come by. Um, for the last two months, um, I've been involved um, rather without my my really seeking it with um, a topic that it's it's really hard for me because I, I, I work with kids, um, you know, I work at a daycare and um, and my hope in coming here tonight is that you guys will because I recognize that you guys are a body of, of believers who love who love Jesus and who wanna want to make an impact and who believe that God has a plan and purpose and who believe in a just God who, who would have us free the oppressed and who would have us represent him well before the nations. And, um, and so my, my goal in coming here is that you guys would see a need and that you guys as a body would come together to find ways. And I'll give a few that you guys can be involved in this. And you guys are wondering what it is. Um, it's, it's world uh, human trafficking. Um, and more specifically what we're going to be talking about tonight is sex trafficking. And um, I did not realize this until about two months ago. That's how long... I've been struggling with ways um, with my church and also with CBU, a group called Active Compassion that's um, on campus at CBU, as to how we can do this. And um, the point I'm at now is I'm, I'm, uh, I'm advocating for it and I'm trying to get others to be aware that this is going on. Uh, right now within the world we think there's no slavery, but there's actually 27 million people that literally today are in slavery, whether that be through uh, sweatshop labor, but 70% of it is women and children and it involves sex, uh, slave labor. Tonight we're going to watch a movie and it is... And it is not gra more graphic than Saw, and it is not more graphic than some of the other movies that a lot of people watch. Um, but it involves a six-year-old girl named Mulan, um, who is stolen away from her home and forced into a brothel. And, um, and the statistics on this, um, we think that Thailand, we know that Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia are the main places where this is going on. It's pressing into Turkey. It's pressing into uh, Germany. It's pressing into uh, Western and Eastern Europe. 
Um, but San Diego, Los Angeles, and Orange County are becoming hubs for uh, human sex trafficking. They don't have the, enough research done. There's people working on it that are volunteering to do research to get it updated uh, because the more research, the more they can present to Congress to get tighter laws. Uh, President Bush did uh, sign a law about uh, two and a half years ago that uh, brought really strict penalties for those who are caught trafficking. Um, this was in response to, in Arizona, there was um, approximately 90 girls that had been trafficked from Mexico. Um, they were between the ages of 11 and 16. They had been um, taken, they had been, um, the usual spiel is that they're working as a waitress in Mexico and a friend or a, fam a, fr a family friend will come along, someone will come along and say, you could be making twice as much money in America as a waitress. Or, you know, you're going to be, a, you know, working at a hotel being thing, and so then they get here, and they're forced into prostitution, usually gang-raped um, when, they, when they come over. Um, and, and this particular bus was in Arizona, and it was literally just a bunch of trailer house brothels where the girls were literally not allowed to leave. Um, um, the story of one of them who testified before Congress was that when she got there, um, she did not know what was going on until about the second hour. Um, when she was gang raped by six men. Um, after that, it was a process of being raped every day a few times, um, you know, by men that would come along. Um, she tried to escape once she was pistol whipped and burned with cigarettes and cigars. Um, and um, it ended up that one of the girls, um, if I'm not mistaken, got away and they, they led them back to this place and they found 90 of these girls. Most of them looked like they were starving because they weren't fed properly, they weren't whatever, they were just meat. That's all these girls were. They had no souls. They do have souls, they have precious souls. But to these men, to these, these animals, to these people, they're nothing. And the problem is not going away. And in fact, it's in our own backyard you know, Orange County, and um, I met with, um, I went to a conference, uh, a three-day conference um, two weeks ago on sex trafficking, and I got to meet some of the leading advocates that are working in the field. The Assemblies of God has something called the Homes for Hope, um, where they went into the red-light districts of India, where there are literally hundreds and thousands of women who are literally slaves and who work in the brothels, and um, Teen Challenge, who works with drug addicts, they'd never gone into the red-light districts, when one of their young pastors was really moved. And he went into the red light district and they started the PA system and they just started preaching the gospel about a father who loved them and who wouldn't betray them and just declaring the gospel. And that day they took on 45 young girls between the ages of 8 and 12 because the prostitutes had their daughters living with them where they were at in the brothels and they said, you know, we can't leave but will you take our daughters? And so that started the Homes for Hope. There's 10 now in India, in different parts of India that have taken in women who have either escaped from the brothels or who have given their children over to this. But the sad thing is, is um, I, I forget her name, she's a sweet lady, um, and she, she went over there as a missionary with the American Baptists, and she was supposed to be doing something else, but she just wanted to work with the prostitutes, and she really felt God calling her, and so she didn't tell her agency or anything like that, and she just started ministering to them, and well, she, she just went to find Christians who were over there working with these girls, and she found one small home. There are secular humanists, and people like that, and I, and I bless God for them, I'm glad they're over there trying to free these girls and trying to do this stuff, but there are more atheists and humanists that are involved in trying to stop drug trafficking than there are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ at this time. But I believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm very encouraged, because the first, first day of the conference, I came home and my mom, you know, she asked me how it was, and I, I really didn't want to exist anymore. I, just, I, I didn't want to think about it. I watched a film called Cargo, and it was just 
all these facts and all these statistics and all these faces, and I just, I thought, Lord, what is going on here? You know, for one, it's terrible that's going on. It's even more terrible that those who believe that there is a king and a God with hope and who have been set free from sin and death and hell are not doing anything. And I, and I believe one reason is, is because we really weren't aware. We really were not aware, and it's becoming aware. And, and there's a conference I'm going to give you guys a flyer for it. It's called Freedom Fest. It's uh, the, the 25th of March. It's on a Sunday night. And I, and I hope that you guys will send, if not all of you, some representatives from this small group here that can come and that can pick up resources, that can, that can do this. You know, my, my church, we're struggling with this of how to do it. You know, there's organizations that are already on the ground there that can be supported. There's, there's opportunities to go overseas and visit these ministries, to look at the work that's going on on the ground, to observe it and to bring back. And my goal is not tonight, even though I believe many will cry, is not for you guys to cry. I cried. I cried. I cried. I cried so much. And it was hard for me to function after, after learning all of these things. But tears are not going to free them. Prayers will. <laughs> cry and pray. You know. But there's also practical steps that can, that can be done. You know, I'm, I'm going to um, leave um, with Josh some websites that you can go on and you guys can find out what's actually happening on the ground because it can be very depressing when you think about everything, because it is a huge problem, you know, and so and it takes time to change big things like this. You think of slavery, and you guys seen William Wilberforce's movie, Amazing Grace, you know, it's, it's a brand new movie, it took him 40 years of labor to abolish slavery, you know, but he worked and worked on it, and I wanted to share with you guys just a brief mandate, because emotions are good to be, you know, they stir us, right, we see something that we hate, and our emotions stir us, and we want to act on it, but the main thing is that there is a biblical mandate in Scripture for us to be involved. It's not if we are going to be involved. It is how are we going to be involved. How is God going to let us be involved? In Proverbs 24, he says this, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your souls know it, and will he not repay man according to his works? And the gist of this passage is it's given to people who have a covenant with God, Israel, people who have a covenant with the king, and this is the wisdom given them to follow and live this life of serving God. And the wisdom behind this is, if you feign in the day of adversity, you have small strength, and our, the mandate is those who are being dragged away to death, we find it all through Isaiah. We find it all through Jeremiah. God takes seriously the state of the poor. He takes seriously the state of the oppressed. James says true religion before God and man is to visit widows and orphans in their trouble. And so there's this practical aspect to everything. And so, you know, there's, there's so many statistics, you know, that, that I get lost in statistics. You know, I was in a, I was in a meeting on uh, poverty the other day and for 20 minutes, this lady, you know, went on and on in, in the most gruesome statistics on poverty in the rest of the nation. And they were all true and they were all good and I think they were important, but I got lost in the statistics. You know, and so what I want us to do tonight is I want us to put a face to 70% of 27 million people. 70%, I'm not good at math, I can't figure that out right now. It would be, what, if it was 20, it would be, what, 14 million people out of 20 million people. I want you to put a face, and I want you to put beautiful little eyes on, on these statistics. I want you to put 
beautiful smiles and beautiful hopes. You know, and, and um, I, was, I was talking to Josh earlier at, at work, and the girl in this movie looks like a girl at my work named Ina. Just like her. Same age. Maybe a few months older. And Ina is a sweet girl, and her mom is a great mom, and she's here. And I praise the Lord that she's here. You know, and so for me, I'm, I'm in the process of figuring out how. You know, our church is thinking about eventually within the next couple of years getting, a, getting an actual project there on the ground, hopefully, maybe, and doing something like that. But it takes time. It takes, you know, I, t- I talked to one of the ladies at the conference about logistics. But right now, the people of God should be praying for God to stir up our hearts, to stir up other people, to do something in our own hearts that we might do something. You know, there's, there's organizations to be supported. There's all that. I'll leave that with Josh. And that'll be something that you guys, as a body here, as a family, as people who have committed yourselves to the King, to work through and to struggle together, to say, what are we going to do? Because it has to be done. It'll be a shameful thing because it says in this verse, does he who not know the heart, does he not weigh it? And if you say to him, God, we didn't know this, you will know this after tonight. And there will be a sense of accountability. And I hope that you will take this to your churches. If you guys all go to different churches, you will take this to people within your churches. You will bring this to the attention of your friends. You will pray for these girls daily. You don't know their names. There's millions of them. Jesus Christ knows every single one of them. And they are made in the image of God. Each one of them has value. And they're worth the time we spend in prayer. I'm so thankful you guys let me come tonight. I really am. And this video is not a happy thing to watch. You know, and, and I thought, you know, man, you know, where... There's no clean way to look at this. There's no easy way to look at this. It's not as graphic as some of the stuff we watch, you know, as people... But I believe that as we watch this and as we put and as we look into these eyes, this is a real thing. It's, it's something that's happening, like I said, just in, in Orange County. And they don't have numbers, but they know that San Diego and L.A., because of the people they busted in Arizona and other states, these other brothels, small brothels they have busted, that it is huge and that these girls are being trafficked all over the United States. Some are from the United States. There's how many million runaways in the world and only so many are accounted for and a good majority of prostitution comes from runaways. And that's a whole other issue. Prostitution is a whole other issue because that ties really in. Pornography. Men. Pornography. The statistics are like something like 70% of these women that, we, that are in pornography are sex-trafficked victims. And the church, we're at this conference, and we've got this lady who's, you know, she's a lady reverend, you know, and she is about to break down into tears because... Her church and the church has looked down so much on people in prostitution and pornography, and we've looked down on them, and now we're finding out that 70% of them are unwilling prostitutes and unwilling victims who have been trafficked. And she cried. And people from different denominations and different backgrounds are joining us. The Salvation Army. There's a great woman from the Salvation Army that's heading up a sex trafficking and they're doing things and they're advocating and they're trying to get laws passed because that's a big part. The stricter laws you can get, you know, the more you can clamp down on it, the more freedom you can get law enforcement. I met with a sheriff from Orange County who's on the sex trafficking um, force down there and a, and a, and a nice lady and, um, and they're doing good work but the thing is they, they don't have enough manpower, they don't have enough resources but there's more funding that the government's getting. The more information they get, 
And so I just, I, I want to pray now. Because I, I, I had a whole bunch of statistics, you know, but I just, I don't think they'll profit us more than looking into the eyes of somebody and, and really realizing that this isn't a figment of someone's imagination, that before Congress there's been testifying. We know that Thailand and Cambodia and Laos, my fear is that when we find out how bad it is in America, we might be just as bad as Thailand. And it, and it terrifies me, the thought of that. And so I want to pray and I want to ask God to move our hearts, not only emotionally, but spiritually and actively, that we as a body can struggle together. As your brother, <laughs> I'm struggling with how to do it. It's such a big problem, and I, I feel overwhelmed sometimes, where I just, I, you know, in Revelation there's people that are going to cry, you know, let the rocks fall on us so we don't have to deal with the wrath of the Lamb. I don't want to think about this stuff sometimes. Last night I was up late, you know, looking at the internet sites and praying for you guys and praying for myself and praying for these girls. And so I just, I just really ask that you guys would have an open heart. And I don't know if, I, I, the last time we watched it, we were supposed to have a big talk afterwards at my church and, and nobody really wanted to talk. We just, we just really wanted to cry and pray. And so I don't know if there's anything else to say after we watch it. I, I only know that there is much to pray about. And um, I'll leave my email address as well. I have more resources. Um, I have websites that I'm, I'm going to leave some with Josh, but there's a lot more that I, that I, I just I can't remember them all. You know, and so I, I want to pray, and then um, we can gather around um, the TV. It's, uh, it's in a different language. It's called the Fields of Mulan, or um, Mudan, Mulan. It's the girl's name. Um, it's about a, a six-year-old who is trafficked, and she has dreams of her mother, is hoping that her mother is going to come rescue her because her mother promised she would. And um, in her life, uh, one of the key, I think, points in the movie is early on when she's there and she she has hope and she hasn't been raped yet. And one of the other girls tells her, there is no hope, we are all whores here. And that is their life. And that is how most of them live and die until they get a disease or until they're useless and they're thrown away. And so as Christians, as people who claim the name of King Jesus, we are obligated to feel for them and if we don't feel for them, it is a terrible, terrible thing. So I want to pray, and then we can um, gather as close as we can because there's subtitles that we'll have to look at. And um, if anybody feels like um, they don't want to watch, they don't want to see it, um, then you know that's that's up to you. Don't don't feel bad about it. Um, like I said, it's not as graphic. The, the material's graphic. It, it, it's graphic, but it's not along the lines of some things we watch on a daily basis, and we feel no problem watching. So um, will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this group, Lord. I thank you so much for them. I thank you for letting me come here, Lord God. And I I wish, Father, that there was so much more joy and there was so much more happiness that could be talked about. We talk about Genesis, Lord, and we talk about men being created in the image of God and having value. And we talk about being free from sin. And we talk about Jesus setting us free, and we talk about changing the world, and we talk about doing all of these things, God. I pray that you would not let it stop at talk for me, Lord, but that you would move my heart, Lord, and that you would open up doors for me and for this body, Lord, as Josh and Robert and all the brothers and sisters here gather weekly to worship you and pray to you and 
I pray, God, you would open up doors for them, that you would lay such a burden on our hearts for prayer that we would not sleep. God, more than is necessary, but that we would be awake, God, with the images, and that those images would keep us awake in the spirit of knowing, Jesus, that you have the power to free them both physically and spiritually, that you have the power to invade the darkest brothels of Thailand and India and Laos and Cambodia and Orange County and set these women free, that you could stir the church, Lord, to move, Lord, and to not be hard-hearted like we are and to feel something and to feel affections and love for these girls. And I pray for them now, Lord, as they suffer through, even at this moment, as we sit here in comfort that you've given, Lord, and it is by your will we sit here today. I pray, God, for them, Lord, that you would comfort them and protect them and that you'd free their victimizers who are victimizing not only these girls but themselves by hardening their hearts and sinning against you. Father, please, Lord, they need grace just like I need grace. So, Father, I commit this time to you now, Father. I pray that every eye would be wide open, that every heart would be wide open, Lord, and that as we cry and as we pray, that it would be profitable, Lord, for your great glory, Lord, that you might be set in display in every area and corner of the world. We do ask this in the name of the mighty King who reigns over all the earth, both in heaven and among us. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.